0: Coming up next on the Breadwinning Mums. Ask for help. The way you, you do this is by asking for help and getting support in both parts of your life, at work, right, and helping other, getting people to run parts of the team, uh, and then in your personal life, um, letting people come in and help help watch your watch your kids so that you can do both, um, or, or whatever. Maybe maybe it's. you you watch the kid while while people help clean up the house, but you're trying to find time for both things. Time is your most precious resource and finding, uh, so you can spend it on whatever you want, whether or not it is family or work and finding ways of getting others to help you so you can get more of that time back is, I mean, that's that's how you do it. It's okay.
1: Welcome to the show. I'm Jane Lim. On the Breadwinning Mums podcast, we debunk the myths of working mums, cheer each other on, and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise. Today, we're chatting with Marsha Dover, a fellow breadwinning mum with a six month old son, Helix. Masha is a co-founder and president of Elevate Security. She shared with us her life story about moving to the States from Russia, building a startup company in Berkeley, California, and juggling pregnancy and early motherhood whilst fundraising and transforming her company to a complete remote work arrangement. Here we go with Masha Dover. Asha. Hi, Jane. Great to be here. Nice to see you again. So we first met at the Haas School of Business event uh, where you were one of the panelists of the startup uh, founders. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself?
0: Sure. So I'm Asha Strova. I have the privilege of being co-founder and president of a company called Elevate Security. We're about a 50 person company based in Berkeley, California. Well, mostly online actually, Uh, but once upon a time, our headquarters were in Berkeley, California. Um, And as a company, we focused on the cybersecurity space, helping enterprises secure their workforce against attackers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been in security for my entire career and just recently uh, had the opportunity of uh, becoming
1: a mom to a six month old boy named Helix. Congratulations. Felix or Helix? Helix with an H. Wow. Okay. And how has that been? Um, It is overall an incredible
0: experience, life transformational uh, and hands down one of the best things I've ever done. But we'll, yeah. have, we'll get into more of that later.
1: Yeah, of course. All right. So uh, let's uh, go back to the very beginning, I guess, um, when you first just started to, um, I guess, graduate from school and finding your way out into the world. Did you always know that you were going to be a mom? Um, I knew that I wanted to have kids. It was
0: actually, if I could have orchestrated it, I uh, my plan, even in my 20s, was to wait as long as possible. Uh, to have kids and uh, I did a lot of research around fertility cliffs and all that and I and if you know if circumstances in my life could have aligned I knew that I wanted to try having for kids um, pretty much as late as I could could do so in a healthy manner because for me career my ambition was always very important and so mm. uh, I am I am 36 today and mm. um gave birth at 36 and started trying when I was, uh, 35. So, uh, it worked out kind of the way that I had hoped it, it might, um,
1: yeah, like that. Yeah. Very organized. Okay. (laughs) So so you always knew you were going to work on your career. Where did you grow up actually?
0: Uh, I mostly grew up in, uh, on the East coast in Massachusetts, Uh, moved out to California in, oh gosh, when was it? 2009. So i have been in California longer than I've been anywhere in my life
1: yeah okay all right so you always knew you were going to be a career person did you know that you were going to move into a security yeah sense?
0: I uh I security was one of the things I studied in school before I even uh before it was even a degree you could get um my grandmother taught my father had a program and my father taught me so my grandmother was sort of my original mentor in the space um wow okay. yeah so so I've uh, been doing I've been thinking of and doing work around computer space since, since I was a little girl.
1: Yeah. What did your grandma do? That's so surreal. Yeah. yeah. She was a a
0: programmer before there really were computers. She graduated with a CS degree in 1954 in the Soviet union, uh, wow. when they were punch cards and then, and then learned really foundational like, uh, languages like assembler and Fortran and cobalt and, uh, ultimately C. So, um, yeah, it was a, hardcore programmer her entire life
1: wow okay so she was like a badass breadwinning yeah. mom from back then too exactly yeah okay and when did they all come here uh we all
0: immigrated myself included in 1990 so originally i'm oh. from russia as, as is my whole
1: family and uh yeah, okay
0: we, we moved to the states
1: so you're first generation alongside your um yeah two generations Everybody above
0: mm-hmm.
1: how did yeah. all how did you all transition into the american life
0: uh, I mean, this country is so incredible in that your um, the work you put in uh, yeah. means something, right? And you can actually change your path and your destiny uh, with hard work and grit and a little bit of luck. But there are many countries uh, where if you are born of a certain gender or caste or race or religion, you don't um, you don't get the opportunity no matter how hard you try uh, mm-hmm. and I often think about even even now with what the political situation happening between Russia and Ukraine how grateful I am that we left the country and I get to I get to have been raised and in a country that has a lot less. Um, Political corruption and influence um, on day-to-day life, and I uh, and I'm so grateful to have have uh, been raised in America and to be able to, um, yeah, like my hard work um, and the yeah. ethic, the work ethic that was instilled in me as an immigrant who was given given nothing. We moved to the states with five hundred dollars between five of us, right? And so every everything we've earned, uh, we we um, every, all the food we put on our table, all. Everything we we bought as a family, as an individual, was always earned by by hard work. And I'm just, this country is really incredible for for that reason.
1: Yeah, that instilled the work ethics, I guess, that you really needed when you're a founder. So there were five of you that came here from from Russia. Was it you, your parents, and your grandparents?
0: I had two sisters who came with me. My grandparents came
1: later. Ah, okay. All right. And so was your dad a programmer as well? He was. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, All the way back. Yeah, very tight. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So when was it when you finally knew that you were going to work on, on this startup then? I've
0: always had an entrepreneurial streak and had, there was something in me that I knew that I always wanted to, to start something entrepreneurial. I actually, out of, uh, when I would join Salesforce, um, a couple of years into my career it was already a relatively large company 9000 people at the time but even then i had the opportunity of building and running a team it was not what i was hired to do but i found a problem and i said like this is the space i really wanted to focus on and so i got to build and run a team there which was my initial foray into entrepreneurship um in a in a large organization and so i got to see what it was like um to To create, do discovery, create, create the idea of a product. Um, mm. try to essentially get funding from mm. from management, build a team around it. Um, so had pockets of entrepreneurship throughout my career. Uh, but ultimately in 2017, all the last of the puzzle pieces came together. At that point, I already I had an idea around work I wanted to do in the space, um, what kind of problem I want to solve. I had built a brand reputation around. Um, for me, it was particularly security behavior change um, and how to um, how to intersect what people uh, do and how to influence people's behaviors with a positive security outcomes. So, mm-hmm. creating a brand around this, showing that that there was um, a unique idea here that no one was was really doing, and then the last mm-hmm. of the puzzle pieces was finding a co-founder um, mm. base, which. Uh, which was a uh, a must have for me before before having the courage to to start a company.
1: Yeah. How long did it take you to finally find that problem that you wanted to solve?
0: You know, I actually I found the problem before I found the uh, before I knew that I wanted to I I this was the thing I was working on in my career. I there I, I couldn't not see this problem and I couldn't not solve it and I was either going to do Continue solving it as a day-to-day practitioner um, and doing security behavior change for companies, or is going to start a nonprofit, or is going to start a consulting company, or is going to start a product. But I, I'm obsessed with with the idea of solving for
1: employee risk in organizations, and I, I was born to solve this problem. <laughs> I love it. So you knew it from years and years before you even started working for Salesforce then.
0: I had an inkling. I knew that I was really interested in security, but I was also really interested in the human element, and yeah. I didn't quite know what it looked like. I, I kind yeah. of I, the best thing that I could um, I, I can bring in an uh, an, an example towards is I had a I had a sense like a, a spice and it's like oh this feels like it really lights me up and I really care about it and I see that it's a really big problem and I have and I'm bringing some really unique ideas to it. That that it's not enough to start the company, right? I needed to figure out, you know what is the product I'm building? how are gonna how am I gonna sell it? How are people gonna pay for it? All of that came later, but I knew early on that I uh, like at, in my gut that that I really wanted to be spending my time solving this problem, and I could see it was a big enough problem that a lot of people had. Um, mm. And that was coming back at me from the market pretty, uh, pretty loudly. Uh, between consult, uh, between speaking engagements I was getting, and people calling me and asking about the program I was building at mm. Salesforce, and so I had a, I had a realization that I, um, my passion to solve this problem was also filling a need that the market had.
1: So, were you working on this um, solution even throughout your time at Salesforce as well? well? We
0: were. We did. I would say the early foundational stages of what what the company is doing now. Um, and yeah, we did. We we created some. I'd say early thinking and early prototypes there. And obviously, it looks very different when it's a, a platform that a lot of companies can use uh, versus yeah. one company specific um, solution. But yeah, we, we essentially have the, uh, our f- our first very early prototypes at, at Salesforce.
1: Yeah. Okay. Was there any friction uh, when you wanted to leave Salesforce and take this idea with you? Did they ever uh, say, Hey, I think we earned some of the IP because you were working for yeah. us then?
0: That's a great question. Um, so, uh, and we were actually quite nervous about this in the, fr- in the early days, but, um, we, when we took a look at the idea, we saw that it wasn't core to any of the ways that Salesforce was making money, right? Mm. So creating security behavior change is about as far away from what Salesforce's core offering was. So we were not going to be jeopardizing any of their business or their clients, which is step one. And mm. step two, uh, we uh, ultimately got um, back, we get as one of our angel investors was one of the co-founders of Salesforce, Parker Harris and, and the mm. CTO at the time. and so. Um, we we decided to cover our butts that way by making yeah. sure that we got we got, we got bl- a blessing from, from yeah. the executives. <laughs> and there was a couple of ways we could have done that. We either could have gotten Salesforce Ventures to try to back us as a spinoff, and they've they've done that a couple times, and actually have since then come and invested in the in the company since uh, in a couple later rounds, mm. or talking to one of the founders. Or going the legal route was absolutely going to be the hardest and more painful one. And so, yeah. um, if if you have an idea that isn't going to conflict against your your current company's core uh, mm-hmm. core way of making business uh, business decisions, it's totally fine to uh, to start finding other ways of getting that support.
1: Yep, yeah. and bring them on as an angel investor. That's strike of genius, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. And so, so you did entrepreneurship whilst you were at Salesforce, you did entrepreneurship outside of the Salesforce, which one is harder and how would you describe the two?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, externally to Salesforce, because at the end of the day, you get to have a, uh, a paycheck <laughs> from a large company and you know, it's going to be there every week. And, uh, and there's, it's just a, a bigger safety net when you go out on your own, There's Mm -hmm. no guarantee that tomorrow there's going to be money in the bank and you have to fight for that and and make it survive and and, and fight for your survival and um, and prove that you should exist another day. Uh, And it's it's exciting and it's terrifying a hundred times more than working for a larger company. But it's also there's a sense of freedom that you just can't quite get when you uh, when you when you work for somebody else uh, and as opposed to working for yourself.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, what are the top three lessons, personal lessons, that you've learned since becoming a founder?
0: Hmm, it's a great question. Um, I, I, I'm not just worried about li- uh, limiting it to three. One of them was finding a good co-founder is non-optional. It's so not nice to mm-hmm. have. It's the mm-hmm. difference between living uh, making a more sustainable life choice and not. And uh one of the reasons and I think we'll get into this a little bit about uh the balance of of being both a mom and a founder. Um having a co-founder is the secret to that. Um so uh that's that's one one thing that I'd say I got incredibly lucky with. Um the second one is um unlearning and learning all the time so what you knew and what you got you to what got you to your current point is not going to be the thing that it may not be the thing that's going to get you to succeed in a year from now or two years from now um and there's been a lot of humility and a lot of letting go of the things that i thought i knew or the things that worked up until a point and then they don't work anymore and uh, not only do you have to find a new new way to you actually have to dismantle what you've what you've done, and what what that's looked like for us is um, potentially some product pivots, right? We've built one kind of product that worked to get us to a certain um, customer um, and a certain market share, and then we realized that market share was way too small for some of the things we wanted to do, and so we needed to pivot and uh, and 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 um learning to let go <laughs> let go of things that you thought um yeah you know you 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 have a lot of conviction in and realizing that you know it worked up until a certain point and that it no longer serves you hmm. um the third piece is that and i knew this going in but i keep, keep saying this again and again and again is that um culture uh each strategy for breakfast i love i love that quote um but uh at this point uh we've run a company through a pandemic through the start of recession through a war which is it's probably the hardest possible time (laughs) right to to do all this uh and we've gone from being an in-person to all remote like so many crazy things and the thing that keeps uh the lights on in the company is the culture and building building a culture where people are excited to show up feel like they really uh, are respected by their peers and have similar respect um, their psychological safety in the environment uh, is a strategic differentiator it's the reason people will stick with your company during hard times Uh, it gets you it gets you loyalty and it also um, have people show up with everything they have um, and not because they have to but because they want to Um, and the company that uh, that i started is called elevate security not just because we are up up leveling security but we wanted to do it in a very different way than a lot of other security companies look like and security culture and the culture of the company is something that we spend a lot of time focusing on and uh i knew this lightly, uh, sort of like in theory, and you read about this all the time, but and it isn't until your company goes through like a pandemic together, you really realize like the currency of culture um, is worth its weight, weight, in gold.
1: Yep. Awesome. So find your co-founder, learn to unlearn and pivot when you're ready and culture. Uh, let's talk about the first one how did you find your co-founder and how did you know that they're the right person to bring on board
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: so Robert and I were
0: co-workers together at Salesforce and we had worked okay. together for about five years um and uh when we started talking about this company idea uh, Robert was already looking for uh oh he already knew he wanted to start a company and he was just looking for the right idea I had the idea and I was just looking for someone to to, to found it with, and so um, we both sort of agreed on the fact that we liked this problem it was a really hard problem. We had very complementary skill sets. Um, we also had a lot of deep mutual respect for each other. He mm. was one of my favorite coworkers I'd ever had the opportunity and privilege of working with. Mm. Um, I loved the way that he built and ran teams and seeing him him work in that that that. Um, capacity and so the opportunity of spending a lot of time working with him uh Mm. was seemed more like a privilege than anything else uh Mm. and um we had really good communication there was and because the, the whole relationship is built on mutual respect um and it's it's given us the opportunities to really show up um for each other and face really difficult challenges together as opposed to fighting each other um, for a specific you know outcome and and like there's so many challenges outside of the organization it's so great if you if you two are in long step and um, so there's a couple of books around this I'm trying to see if I can remember the statistics but then um, the best and healthiest way to find a co-founder is someone you've you've worked with before um, so it's a sort of a loose connection. You've known each other, but you're not like, you're not family or married um, because those those tend to have um, family married or like really super close friends because those have have a pretty high chance of falling apart. The second most successful set of founding uh, criteria are people who've randomly met. So mm-hmm. uh, co-founder dating, um, not uh, like it's business dating uh, mm-hmm. is the second best way to, to behind a successful business relationship. Um, And so, um, yeah, if your next co-founder might be someone you're you're sitting next to right now.
1: So the second part that you mentioned was unlearning and Mm -hmm. um, pivoting. And this was one thing that I had a conversation with Vivek not too long after we met as well. Um, I did a, a startup program back home called New Wave and mm-hmm. during the time I was doing it, it was interesting to see all of the feedback that I get from the market as well. But the, the I guess the uh, hindsight that I get after the program was at what point do you pivot? At what point do you actually depart from your original principles of ideas? It's quite a gray line, right? Um and when do you know when you've gone too far, when you've listened too much to what the market's telling you? Um, and then how to balance those two equations?
0: Yeah, I mean, if I knew the answer, I would be a billionaire by <laughs> right now. I think you just constantly need to be asking yourself that question. But you've definitely um, hit upon it, right? There's a, There's a delicate balance between leading the market and being an innovator and delivering something that no one's ever thought of. And at the same time, getting appropriate feedback from customers around what they want. Sort of, like you know, if you interviewed people around how, what's the quote? It's like, if you interviewed people who use candles, what they wanted for lighting, they said they'd want a a brighter candle versus a flashlight, right? Yeah. Um, So uh, you really need to balance sort of your own conviction and in, in what needs to happen versus mm-hmm. listening to customers and it i there's no perfect balance uh, there's no perfect solution to this yeah. ultimately and uh, there needs to be someone who's going to pay for your idea so what you need to do is listen for the pain mm-hmm. um, and then it's on you to 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 come up with a solution but make sure you're clearly identifying the pain point like yeah. don't be don't be innovating on the pain point that already exists. Be innovating on the solution and and, and blow people's minds um, when when you come up with an even better way of solving something that that they're currently
1: struggling with. Yeah, okay. So from the time when you've just um, launched um, Elevate Security, how many pivots have you had?
0: Yeah, I, I think people um, uh, d- define pivots in a slightly different way, but for us maybe it's not been like a 180, but it's like a course correction yep. a little yep. bit, a little bit to the left, a little bit to the left. Yep. We've done three. Mm. Uh, we first initially started by creating a game. Um, then we started, and then we went through uh, um, scorecards. And then the last thing we've created is risk scores uh, that can use, be used to, to tailor controls. Some of this, we've each of these things, um, the learnings from them, we folded it into the next iteration. Um, so. It's not like we've completely done away with, but we've definitely changed uh, our focus.
1: Yeah, okay, interesting. I mean, three, that's not a bad number, right? (laughs) I think Um, you must be doing something right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what's
0: good. Maybe zero would have been being perfect right (laughs) out of the gate. I don't know anyone who's ever done. This is actually one of the reasons why investors and well, early companies look at um, at the founders more than they do the product. They look they first and foremost weigh the founders, then they look at the market, then they look at the product. And the idea here is that a B idea with an A team will always beat out an A idea with a B team. Yeah, because you just, you never know what's around the corner, and you need to yeah. just you need to have the skill sets on board um, and the flexibility to tackle whatever comes up.
1: Hmm. That's that's really interesting. I was uh, having another conversation um, with a facilitator back home and we were talking about um, leadership, so in a consulting point of view, and I asked um, in a crisis management situation which one is more important, the framework or the people mm-hmm. involved, and it's always the people. So I guess, you know, different areas, different contexts, but still the same. It all comes back to the people involved, mm-hmm. uh, which leads us to your third point, culture yeah. so you're right pandemic recession but war and mm. you've made it through and 50 people right currently um mm-hmm. and you've transitioned to remote remote work mm-hmm. um how do you instill that culture from the very beginning until now
0: yeah um yeah it doesn't happen by accident it's super intent uh, intentional. Um, and, uh The first 10 people you hire in your company are are the people who are going to set the culture So making sure that you hire not just for great skill sets, but also people who live and breathe the values that you set forth in the company some of the best advice I've gotten was that values should be distinct, right? There should be a subset of people like, you know what? Those values aren't for me because if, if if they're values that describe everybody, they're not a good way of filtering out. Oh, is this the right place for me to be? And there should be your, your set of values should be when people read that they should either clearly self-select in and say, yeah, that is me. And I want to be part of people who are like that or people mm. who self-select out. You're like, you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm mm. I'm not like that. Like I don't I don't subscribe to those. I'm gonna find a company that that does. Uh, mm. So defining values and and I wish to I, I would I'd like to say that from a values perspective we we nailed it right out of the gate. We started with ten that we really loved um, theoretically, and every year for the first uh, first two years so we went through so year zero one and two we iterated and scrubbed and said are these still the right ten. Uh, we wrote this on paper but is this what we're really living is this really what we want and and sometimes we needed to course correct how we were living to what we we wanted to be and there's some things that we were actually doing in the culture but we never even wrote down and ultimately we ended up with uh six we initially pared down to five and then we added one more over time and we've gotten six that have have lived on year after year and now we hire against them we interview against them um But one of the biggest things that I've done and uh, that that we've done as a culture uh, as a company uh, is really leaning into the concept of psychological safety. Mm. Um, uh, Google did a really incredible report around what makes teams super successful. And uh, the thing the the uh, the underlying repeated value or r- repeated thing that they found across all teams was psychological safety, the ability mm-hmm. to take risks, make mistakes and uh, feel like your teammates still have your back. And there were teams who uh, were super diverse that exceeded uh, these skill sets. And then there were teams that were super homogeneous studied mm-hmm. from the same schools and both were super high performing but the thing that ultimately led led to the difference was uh the they had psychological safety there's a lovely write-up around this as well as 10 questions that you can ask as part of a survey uh which we do on an ongoing basis to ensure that that we are doing everything we can to to create a culture of that um so and then hearing feedback right when people don't feel like they're showing up like that because you're not
1: going to get it right all the time Listening, iterating, and fixing. Um that's the other part. Hmm. Awesome. So you actually take time one once a year with Robert to sit down, go through those values, make sure that you still uh leaving those values and that those values are aligning with your work and also your personal lives, but also reiterating those values as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Once yeah, a we year, even now for every every new higher orientation we go through the values. And yeah, it doesn't even have to be every year. Like as I present them, I check in with myself and I'm like, oh, am I? Can I still speak authentically to this value? Mm. And if something's not doesn't come up for, it, for me, or I'm like, yeah, I, I am. Uh, we sit down and we talk about it, and we're like, are we changed? Is the company mm. changed? Like what's going? On? And so it's not a. This yeah. is now the value review. It's yeah. It's a if if I don't feel right presenting to it, if it feels hypocritical. I know something's off and yeah. and it requires course correction.
1: So, that's your work life. Tell us a little bit more about home life. Yeah. So, um
0: I live in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Uh, we'll start with geography first, and then we'll we'll narrow down. Um, okay. I had the opportunity in the pandemic to leave San Francisco and move to the Redwood Mountains. I live here with my husband Rob, and we've been married. Oh, for... Rob and Rob. Rob, uh, yeah. My co-founder is Robert, yeah. and my husband is Rob, and I'm okay. very <laughs> glad they both agreed to go by slightly different names. It's very okay. <laughs> It's great. It's <laughs> uh, very confusing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Rob, my husband, uh, uh, is he's we've been married for three years. He's actually also in, in computer security, but not how we met. Um, through we met through through friends. Uh, in San Francisco, he is uh originally from Australia, although has spent half his life in the UK. So he is oh. he has an accent, a delightfully confusing accent that is half <laughs> yeah. Aussie, half British. Um okay. yeah, so we got married three years ago. I just snuck that in right before the pandemic. Um, oh, nice. Uh <laughs> and, and in May of this year just gave birth to our first uh, our first kid, as I was mentioning Helix, who is now almost six months old
1: mm great mm-hmm. how did you guys meet so through friends uh when was this what was the setting yeah so uh we uh initially met at a
0: halloween costume party he was dressed as a bat and i was dressed as a lion uh but really a lot of the uh, <laughs> the 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 place where we got to have a good conversation was um at a friend's birthday party but um one of the things that both he and I are involved with outside of work is the Burning Man community. We both really mm. love building uh large-scale art installations and creating interactive um activities. Uh he was really into interact um immersive theater uh and we um how yeah, we started bonding over that conversation and creating like immersive interactive experiences and art pieces and uh and really met through our um our Burning Man community in San Francisco uh who uh, ultimately uh so so we ha- we actually had numerous dates and conversations before we uh, ever really got into the con- uh, realization that we were very much actually in the same industry and had so many, many overlaps. Uh, yeah. So much so that at one point his boss tried to recruit me onto their team. And so I went <laughs> I went for for an in, like kind of a pseudo interview on campus. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is all too close. We're, we're um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So, um, yeah, so we. Uh, yeah, uh, so a lot of overlap uh, professionally, but we met we met through personal interests
1: when was this when did you guys meet
0: oh so we've been together for seven
1: years so however wow. whatever year that was 2015 that yeah that seems about right yeah thanks yeah, for that. yeah that's yeah. right so um dated for seven years and then married for three years now mm-hmm. so we dated um, for four and married for three yeah yep okay mm-hmm. Which one was the hardest, finding your husband or finding your co-founder, <laughs> Rob or Robert? <laughs> <It's> Equally difficult. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, having a co-founder is also
0: like getting married. Like yeah. I, it's spent so much time and uh, tackled difficult situations. So, I got to tell you, the skills that make you a good spouse is also this. They're also the skills that make you a good co-founder. Yeah. Giving and receiving feedback, opening listen, listening, <laughs> forgiveness, never never saying "I told you so," uh, like not unlearning, unlearning. Yeah, There's so much, yeah, or tackling new skills together. All of it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I kept joking. I uh, like when, just before I went into labor, I was like, "I wonder if keeping a company alive during the pandemic." Is going to be harder or easier than, than giving birth. Uh, and it's, it's not an apples to apples comparison, uh, but they both, they both require a lot of perseverance. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah.
1: One is more short lived, I guess, but totally, a lot more yeah. intense. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, I mean, they're both such critical life decisions and, uh, you know, also require a little bit of luck you know being introduced or being in the right place at the right time Just yeah to meet the right people
1: yeah perfect all right um and so which one is is harder I guess being a mum of a newborn you've lived the first uh you know fourth trimester now so you're yeah. out of the woods yeah um or you know during those first few months or first year of starting out your own company how how did the two contrast
0: yeah um So I actually I I, uh, amazingly, I think having a newborn has really helped my journey on on the on the startup world. Uh, They're very different experiences, to be clear. I mean, you're both keeping both alive, but for they require very different skill sets. And I would say um, both require a trust in yourself, a level of your intuition. and a boldness of going forward even though you may not know what's around the corner right like um trusting that that no one else has has any better answers than you do um mm-hmm. uh and and then also reaching out and asking for help um i think that's both both valid in in both cases uh but again they're very different what are the one of the things that i've really enjoyed about my journey to motherhood is showing up with a very different part of myself Uh, Mm. my work self requires a lot of brain power and a lot of Mm. deep thinking and deep Mm. work and networking and being charismatic and on Um, and me uh, being a mother requires a lot of empathy and a lot of patience, um, uh, a lot of a lot of intuition and trust, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of asking and receiving help um, has been part of the journey. But one of the things that has been an unexpected gift in in both is that uh, before before becoming a mother. Um, Elevate was my first child uh, and its success uh isn't was intrinsically or i guess still is is intrinsically tied into my own um, understanding of my own self worth no matter how much I wanted to unpack it uh I would be very unrealistic to say that if i didn't if the company failed, I would feel like I failed. I would feel like I I did not do enough, right? I was not enough. I did not, I yeah, I I didn't do what, ne- what needed to be done to to get it off the ground. Even though there's so many things outside of your um your purview, market timing, etc. But uh, I, I'm still very conscious about the fact like if the company fails, it will feel deeply personal. Uh, and that's really scary. And and not only is it really scary, I think it also potentially blinds you sometimes for taking the risks you might actually need to to do mm-hmm. it right. Um, mm-hmm. Right, you might actually, sometimes you might need to go bold, spend, spend more money in a direction that if it doesn't pay out, your company's done. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. otherwise, it's a slow death, right, where you, mm-hmm. you have to you have to balance some really big decisions sometimes. Mm-hmm. But in, in giving birth and becoming a mother, I've suddenly it's added a, overnight, a whole new part of my identity. And I think yeah. about identity as let's say a whole, a circle, right? With parts of, you know, me as a wife, me as a mother, me as a founder, me as a thinker or thought leadership, a sister, right? There's a lot of wedges and me and my career, Self identity, how I was perceived by my peers, the respect um, of my of, of my brand and the industry took up a really big part of my identity. It's something that I had worked yeah. 25, 30 years to cultivate mm-hmm. and spent a lot, much of my waking time focusing on. It. And so it was a huge part of my self identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I was mentioning, had really high stakes. And overnight, I now had a huge wedge that did not exist before. And Mm. my other wedges had to make room for it. Mm. Um, And the place where I think most room was made uh, was in my self-worth related to my company. Uh, And that's been really great because it's not that I don't care about uh, its outcome. I deeply do. I really care about my employees. I really care about the company being successful I care about being respected. But Mm. if the company should fail tomorrow, i i'm still i still have worth i still have purpose Mm. right i'm still being being a mother has given me a sense a self-identity that um frankly just diversified how i see myself in the world and how i show up and it's it's made me rely less on, on needing to to be seen as a successful founder
1: wow that's deep i like it (laughs) how was your pregnancy and how did you juggle pregnancy with running your own business and then Mm -hmm. um the time post delivery when helix was just you know a few days old
0: yeah um I know the the pandemic was hard for so many people and so many reasons but one of the truly incredible benefits of it is is working from home and I Mm -hmm. and uh, I got to do my entire pregnancy wearing slippers and pajama pants uh, and uh, not having to commute at all into any office and I am so very grateful and for anyone listening who's had to be pregnant and and have to sit in in, commuting and like Mm. wear heels to work and um go through first trimester nausea like in, mm. in in public bathrooms i'm so sorry like i don't know how you did it because it's hard enough as is right working from and but and, and i get to do it in sweatpants right so um <laughs> it is it, like that is a huge gift in that space uh so i'm incredibly grateful right and just to be able to like be off video uh if i wasn't feeling it right mm. um but we started fundraising in my third trimester Ooh. not not ideal timing and i remember just looking at the calendar and saying, i really hope we get funding for this company before i go into labor mm. the punchline is we didn't uh and the thing is about labor is it comes uh when it's it comes, comes when it comes right it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. like your life yeah. there's no yeah. good time
2: for it right and uh
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, But before we get into that, just fundraising while, you know, six, seven, eight, nine Mm. months pregnant, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm really grateful I didn't have to do that in person because as much as I would like to say that we live in, you know, the modern era where VCs do not have bias against, against pregnant women, that's absolutely not true uh and i'm just really grateful that that was never part of the equation um Mm. i never told any of my uh the people that i was pitching that i was pregnant until it got far enough down in the conversation where it it became relevant and Mm. and worth knowing mostly before we were about to meet in person (laughs) i just uh, dropped them a quick note uh it's like hey just so you're not surprised fyi right yeah. Um, which is how, how I decided to handle it. I guess some other people might handle it is in different ways, but, um, I was very nervous about, um, having my pregnancy be held against me and the company, um, mm. and us not being able to fundraise because of it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm just really grateful to take that factor off the table. Um, yeah. when the reason we actually had a hard time fundraising is because we started fundraising, uh, pretty much as soon as like Russia invaded Ukraine and it did some very very funky things to the VC market
1: um so our timing was bad in in a different way because uh, of the macro or because of your background I'm not No, not because of my background
0: because of the macro because of just okay. what, what it was doing to yeah um, to the markets yeah
1: okay all right yeah um
0: good good question though
1: yeah it was really interesting that you mentioned that as well during the class because I just thought you know. If it was a guy who has a wife who was about to give birth, he will be living through the exact same dynamics at home, right? Why should that be held against us? Just because we're the one carrying the baby. Um, So, yeah, I wish wish things so all VCs listening out there, (laughs) please don't hold it against us. We're (laughs) all here together and it's just the other part of the equation, right? It's still the same house at the end of the day. So, Mm
2: -hmm. yeah,
1: but continue on, go on. Yeah um yeah uh so the other thing
0: that uh quickly become became real I, I i was one thing that was really important to me is that i um i took three months off for maternity leave mm. and when you're running a company that's that's hard to do um but i started fortunately uh the gestation period is you know 10 months so you have a lot of time to think about how how you're going to step away and Mm. the company can run successfully Mm. um and there's some of the things that I I should back up and say yes as the co-founder of a company I can set my the maternity policy um but uh, and and what what our policy is is three months uh, of maternity and paternity leave in the company um and I wanted to take that because I wanted to do it for my own well being mm. and my baby's mm. well being my family's well being, but I also wanted to model that for my company and for yeah. anybody else in my in my company. Because if I was is going to set set it as a policy and not take it what I would be doing is modeling that it was not not actually yeah. a benefit that that we should take and so um. And I just I firmly believe that it is possible to do both and um, to, to both work and show up for your family and it requires a little bit of planning and thinking about it, how you're going to manage it. Um, mm-hmm. But, but it is possible to do both and I and I wanted to to model it. and the first way I was going to start is by actually taking that time off and and actually disconnecting meaningfully. Um, so, uh. The way that I was able to do that is by hiring a really great team around me. Um so first and foremost it started with um with my co-founder. Uh I do not think that I'd be able to do that. I don't know, I've never lived a different reality, but uh I'd in my, in, in the reality I live in, I couldn't have done that without my co-founder who, you know, I I trust implicitly and uh understands the ins and outs of the business and could absolutely handle um handle the day-to-day operations of the company. I made a very clear set of boundaries and said, this is what I absolutely want to be called for. These are the things that you should check in, send me a text message and I'll let you know if I'm in a place to talk. And here mm. are the things like, feel feel free to run. Go, yeah. yeah, go crazy. <laughs> uh, and I said, I'm not planning on checking my email. So mm. like communicate with me via text. And so mm. like please escalate here uh, via this path um and so and and i'll hop on if i need to right i'll hop on a phone call or but i'm not planning on actively engaging but i will tell you a sort of secret i did scroll through my work emails while like up in the middle of the night breastfeeding i never responded to any of them but i did read through a lot of the changes (laughs) but no one expected that of me um yeah yeah. (laughs) uh and I also find that if I had replied midway through, people would be really confused. They should, you know, should we be le- yeah. le- looping Masha in? Um, but also hiring really great people in other, like to run different functions and trusting them and uh, making sure, I really made sure we had the right people in place. And even within a couple of, uh, I think it was probably two or three weeks before I left on maternity leave, we realized that one of the executives we had in one of the functions wasn't gonna be the right person. And it was, seemed crazy to, with three months or uh, three weeks to go, To let that person go and bring in a replacement but weighed against the option of having the wrong person in place versus taking a bet on a new one um we we decided to take the bet on the new one and, and it worked out um so uh that's been that was a really big big thing as well and also helped me take a step back and the joy of coming back into a company that's well running in your absence i mean is both a joy but also very humbling it really you come back and you're like what value do I provide if everyone, if everything seems
1: to be working so well here? Yeah, but you build that, right? So I take pride in that. So how was the first few weeks um, of you coming back to work then? How was that experience yeah. like?
0: It was, honestly, it was quite
1: confusing
0: because there are places where... I'll talk about it from the work experience and I'll talk about it from the family experience. Uh, uh, it was confusing because, as I mentioned, a lot of things were running really well and uh, and I didn't just want to go back to my old patterns uh, and say, oh, well, I had all these one on ones, all these meetings. So it's like, OK, so how what is the most effective way for me to fill my time? And, and, yeah. and it's a really incredible privilege of actually having your calendar wiped clean mm-hmm. and then choosing. Mm. what you want to reintroduce
1: mm. uh,
0: and I've been very careful about what kind of meetings I'm reintroducing because now everything on my calendar is weighed against I would rather be spending time with my baby uh, is this a bullshit meeting that could have been an email and instead like and and I could have instead been hanging out with my baby, or is this actually worth my time and my, my energy uh, mm. and everything's held against that kind of bar and it really helps me help me set up it's like here's my north stars here now that i have sort of more or less a ma- major reset in my life mm-hmm. what are the major things i want for my uh for my goals and are the meetings i'm reintroducing serving to get to that agenda um yeah well how that's shown up for me is actually i there's some people that i've had uh, i've made our one-on-ones not weekly but every other week because there was just less less things we needed to cover um I introduced a skip level with every person in my company, one person every week to make sure I was on top of culture stuff. Um, But I more intentionally introduced certain things and removed other things in that gap. Um, And um, I also did a lot of good calendaring, you know, blocking times like this is time for family and this is time for work. Um, And it's this was not a thing that I did well out of the gate. I tried to kind of working from home and and for me, my child care is also in my house. Um, really, it's easy to get distracted and just like, you know, yeah. what, I really don't want to do like, I'd rather just go yeah. go play in the, with the, the baby in the bouncer. Um, yeah, like creating some really strict guidelines around yeah. like I work these hours and if I can get mm. my work, done, I cr- I start my day with saying this is my to do list. Mm. And if I get it done faster, mm. I get to go play. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's motivation for me to, to be very strict about how and when I yeah. how manage my time. Um, and again, uh, introducing less bullshit meetings into my calendar
1: helps hmm. with getting all that stuff done faster. Hmm. Awesome. So you have an in-house nanny? I have grandparents. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I actually have both sets of grandparents. I've, this is, this, I won this lottery. One of the things that I've been working on with my folks he's yeah. getting them to move out here and so about a month after helix was born my parents moved from massachusetts to california um which is so great they're 15 minutes at the road and then rob's parents uh are living with us for six months they they came here from australia and so they're living with us and so um it's a trade off a little bit on um, space but i gotta tell you live in family care yeah. is mm. so incredible the best actually, yeah this is the best and it's one of the things that's actually let me get back to work full time because i know i know my yeah. care is covered yeah. by, by relatives
1: yeah and there's no replacement for like when it's your own you really feel the love yeah that's right yeah mm-hmm. okay perfect um so tell me a little bit more about helix
0: oh yeah so um <laughs> he is he just recently he just learned how to you know basically do like down dog i think we're probably about a, a month away from crawling uh oh. we we had our first sleep through the night um last mo- last week and that's been pretty incredible <laughs> yeah. um but he's a pretty chunky monkey he's 18 pounds um wow. which for sub sub six month old is pretty good but He's a yeah. very chill and calm baby uh and uh really just likes any excuse to laugh and giggle and if he's crying it's because it's he he needs something and when he gets it his life's good so uh definitely got uh got really lucky with um with a very good temperament baby and we' so yeah. so grateful to have him in in our lives and uh it's i mean he's just such an endless source of joy. I just feel like I'm now part of the biggest, most obvious secret club in the world of, of like other parents and other, especially other moms. Uh, like yeah. it's just when you see another mom and you know what they've been through because you've yeah. been through good labor <laughs> and the pregnancy, it's just like, yeah. you know it and they know it. And there's this sort of like unsaid fist bump. It's like, I yeah. see you and you see me. <laughs> and until you join the club, like you're surrounded yeah, by you moms all really, the time, but you yeah. you don't know it like yeah. you don't know it's a secret club until you're in it yeah. and uh i just i uh i I just did not give the credit and the respect that that moms were due uh and yeah. i and I'm just it's uh, yeah i'm so so grateful to to be part of be part of it now
1: <laughs> that's awesome yeah. how was the labor? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it was Is
0: your uh, face changed. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, does anyone like? Yeah, labor was great. No, I, yeah. I, did, I um, I did it at a birth center, and I, I wanted to to try to set it up as best as I could to have um no interventions, and so, 38 hours long without any interventions, um, which wow. was um, it was a lot. It was a lot, but um, yeah, I both. He and I got through it okay. The the baby and I made it all out uh, all in one piece. Uh, wow! And it was it ended up actually being a water birth, which was oh uh, nice, just, just really wonderful. So yeah, uh, really really excited to have been able to do that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I actually wanted to try water birth, but in the end, my um, OB/GYN decided against it uh, for I guess insurance reasons. But good on you any more are you planning to have any uh, yeah probably i'll try for one more in in a little bit of uh,
0: time i think uh having siblings is it's a whole other kind of relationship that you can gift your kid and i think that's just really important and something that i'd, I'd love to
1: i'd love to do for him yeah and uh, and yourself so and myself yeah to be clear yeah. like yeah yeah also, also then you can just cool. take both to a park and let them play around <laughs> that's the goal, right yeah that's the ball. so uh it's been six months you're back to work you have grandparents looking after helix how are you managing all aspects of your life are there any certain rituals that you and rob do every week every month to make it work that's a great question yeah so we uh
0: we go out for for breakfast just the two of us on a weekend um maybe once a month or so just to touch base and we find this really good conversations there but he and i've always had our best conversations in long car rides um it's i think it's probably just getting stuck in a car together yeah. but for the first half hour we go through logistics and then it's like how's it like to be you right now yeah. um and so we've actually found opportunities to do drive sometimes with helix often without um and and we'll just go go somewhere that's, that's a little bit of a drive away uh, and use the drive actually as our check-in time and it's been incredibly um this is incredibly great for us to 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 keep asking it's like what's changed in your reality um hmm. a couple of years ago we took a class um uh, a couple's workshop with a whole bunch of other couples uh, uh from dr julian jo- and john Gottman uh and if, oh yeah, if you've ever had a chance to check out their work, they're just incredibly prolific around some really cool foundational skills for a relationship and so every once mm-hmm. in a while we bust out our, our workbook from there and uh and review things like you know common goals and turning towards versus away and there's a lot of a lot of other good principles and uh mm-hmm. in having a uh a child together that causes upheaval and complete uh um you know uh yeah turning your life inside out just really good to go back to some principles around uh, around hearing and uh showing up for for your partner too and making sure that you
1: know you're still there for each other yeah awesome okay yeah. um so if you could go back in time so I guess um when you were when you just moved to America with your family mm-hmm. if you could give your young self one advice knowing all of the knowledge that you have now what would you give the young, what advice would you give the young, Rasha? Uh
0: To not have to uh, run towards the finish line so fast. I, I pushed myself really hard to be very successful early on to achieve and to prove, prove that I could. And in doing so, I feel like I shortchanged a lot of the opportunities to play. Along the way, and it took me really till my late 20s to relearn how to play. And yeah, I think I'd to summarize it. I probably tell myself to not grow up so fast, Um, Mm. and and to take it a little slow. In that, you know, taking a year off between school, I guess at this point in my life no one would have no one cared that i went to college at 18 versus 19 but right? like it doesn't matter And that year would have been so transformational in uh, in who i was so yeah remember to
1: play and and don't don't hurry hurry in growing up yep great and what's your alpha mom song so if you have a deadline looming at work you really uh, need to fundraise uh helix is sick and you don't feel well yourself what music do you play on your mental mind to make it through the week?
0: Yeah, so that's um, uh, I this is sort of a mental hack, and this is a, uh, but if you've ever heard of binaural beats, um, oh, it's, it's yeah. not it's less of a song and more a uh, put on headphones that play frequencies at two different by uh, yeah. uh two different frequencies and then your brain averages out to, to the to the average one and they have different playlists or different frequencies for creative thought and for visualization for relaxation for deep sleep and recovery and for focus and to your point whenever i get to the thing that i'm trying to do it's maybe if it's writing a paper or coming up with a new idea or just de-stressing I'll put on that specific song and it gets my brain specifically into that wavelength and it's the best biohack that I know of um and it's, it's been such a such a gift to give myself.
1: Okay, that's a new one. I haven't heard of that before. Would you mind yeah, sharing uh, the link?
0: Yeah, I'll share I'll share the playlist with you.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. All right, so one last question for um, starters. So, so founders' mom who are really trying to make it through the year, their whole journey, but also want to make sure that they're doing the right thing with their family back at home. Uh, what ad, one advice would you give um, breadwinning founders? Uh, like, uh, the,
0: the thing is is... Ask for help. The way you, you do this is by asking for help and getting support in both parts of your life, at work, right, and helping other, getting people to run parts of the team, uh, and then in your personal life, um, letting people come in and help help watch your watch your kids so that you can do both, um, or or whatever. Maybe maybe it's you 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 watch the kid while while people help clean up the house, but you're trying to find time for both things time is your most precious resource and finding uh, so you can spend it on whatever you want whether or not it is family or work and finding ways of helping others uh, getting others to help you so you can get more of that time back is um i mean that's that's how you do it That's okay
1: yeah you can't do it all so you can't, you can't. let other so you people help you.
0: The, so, the sooner yeah exactly the sooner you figure out how to get as many hands in there the more time you'll get back and the more you can do
1: yeah perfect all right well Masha, thank you so much for making the time i know you're a very busy mom very busy founder so appreciate the time that you've spent with us today
0: thanks jane really appreciate the conversation the questions and um uh, I'm available if anyone wants to reach out and communicate and uh, continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn. And I'm also happy to share my email too.
1: Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. Please subscribe and leave us some feedback so we can continue to make the show better for you. If you know a fellow bread mum, please share the show so we can cheer each other on. Until next time...